0: what's up everybody just want to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by jungle television jungle television is creating gourmet art and streetwear drawn and screen printed by hand here in portland oregon and uh this dude alex is making some of my favorite art and uh i have a bunch of jungle television t-shirts they are heavy in my rotation and just always blown away by the things that he is making. The mushroom hunter jackets are some of my favorites. Those are really dope. But yeah, if you need jackets, shirts, hats, just prints, very cool prints, um, hit this dude up. The jungle television link will be in the episode notes along with the Instagram tag. And if you use the code DCP at checkout, you'll get 20% off of your next order. So take advantage of that. Check out the uh the Jungle Television Instagram, Cruz Alex's Designs. Um they're very very dope and next level. Appreciate his support and sponsorship of this thing. Let's start the episode. Down
1: at the down
0: what is happening everybody welcome back to another episode of the dan cable presents podcast thank you for tuning into the program once again if this is your first time listening thanks for checking out the show You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, giving more visibility on the national and international levels and uh, helping strangers find the podcast Great way to support this thing and contribute to the uh, sustainability of it. I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. And uh, you can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances, live show performances, and uh, a short documentary on a band called Tribe Mars from here in Portland, Oregon that I made a couple years back. But the YouTube channel featuring... All different types of music, all genres covered, and uh, so you can check that out. Hit subscribe there if you want to follow up with, uh, with what is shaking there. I am incredibly stoked to share this episode of the podcast with you. We got episode 229. This is a special one for me, man. We got Kwame Mason is on the show. Kwame is a filmmaker and one of the hosts of the Soul on Ice podcast, and I am such a big hockey fan, a hockey head. I grew up playing the game, and uh, I've been following what uh, what Kwame has been doing for a bit now and got turned on to uh, his, his film Soul on Ice, Past, Present, and Future a while back. And it's such a, a great look into the history of black players in the game and how that has evolved and the impact it has had on the the present black players and the diversity of the game. So I think it's just a really important watch. I learned so much watching, watching this film. I knew names like Willie O'Ree, who is... Uh, Recognized maybe as the Jackie Robinson of the NHL, breaking the color barrier with the, the Boston Bruins. and, uh, But I learned so much more throughout the film, and I've really enjoyed how the film has uh, evolved now into a podcast, a weekly podcast that he is doing with Akil Thomas, who is one of the recent LA Kings draft picks. Stoked to see that dude in a Kings uniform soon, and we talk a little bit about him. As well as uh, the other host of Soul on Ice, Elijah Roberts, who is also a hockey player, and uh, just love the conversations that these guys are having on a week to week basis with current players and past players, and and really uh, exploring diversity within the game and the things that need to change to uh, to continue the growth of equality for the game and really promoting the the hockey is for everyone thing. So. I was so stoked that Kwame was responsive when I reached out to him about having him on my podcast and, uh, he's such an incredibly nice dude. And, and, uh, I feel like we could have talked for hours about hockey. And, uh, like I said, being somebody that is, uh, so into hockey and grew up playing this game and, and it's, uh, it's a game that means so much to me, and I love it just as much as music or comedy. So to, to get to geek out and talk hockey for the first time really on this podcast was was so cool. The hockey rink is, is a church to me. It is an escape from, uh, from reality and a, and a place where, where I feel like often nothing else exists outside of those four walls. And um, just a, a place where I, I feel very clear-minded for the most part. So um, I know we talk a lot of music and, and art on this podcast, so I'm excited to, uh, to shift gears once again. And don't be turned off if you're, if you're not a hockey fan, because although we, we geek out a little bit on the game itself, I, I think we talk bigger picture stuff here. And uh, if you are a hockey fan, I think you're really going to enjoy this, this podcast, this chat, and I hope this kind of opens the door to maybe having some some more hockey players on, on the cast. Shout out to Akil Thomas and Elijah Roberts, the, the other hosts of Soul on Ice. I'd uh, love to have you guys on sometime. You're welcome anytime. Open invite for sure. And uh, for anybody that's listening that uh, is playing Chell, playing that NHL 21, you can also get at me danimal85 i'll put the gamer tag in the links love to uh love to link up with some some fans on the uh the nhl i've got i've got some skills i'm a lot of talk but i've got some skills too i've been playing you know i'm an old man i've been playing for almost 30 years now i've been playing those nhl video games so uh maybe maybe some of the younger folks can teach me a thing or two teach me how to do that michigan in the new game but uh like I said, I'm just super stoked to to share this thing and and thank you so much to Kwame Mason for for doing the thing with me. If you uh, if you're a new listener and you dig what you hear, like I said, every Friday there's new episodes. Last week I, I released another episode of I Dig Records with my cousin diving into a uh, a Todd Terry record. It's album time as well as uh, a Sonny Sharrock album called Ask the Ages. Maybe my new favorite jazz record, and uh, prior to that, I had my childhood friend Trent Bailey on to talk about his experience in the Navy. Comedian Jake Silberman was on the week before. Speaking of uh, of comedy, I got Nick Harris, the uh, the GM of Helium Comedy Club up here in Portland, Oregon, will be on the show next week. Stoked to share that chat as well. But we're gonna get into episode. 229 here with Kwame Mason. I cannot encourage you enough to check out the film Soul on Ice Past, Present, and Future that is available on uh, wherever you download or stream movies digitally. And uh, on most places, it's only $2.99 to rent this movie. And I bought a cop, a digital copy the other day, and it was only $8.99. So Support this thing. Also, check out the Soul on Ice podcast, especially if you're a hockey fan. You should definitely be tuning into that. They've got some really dope merch to check out as well. I'm gonna put all the links in the episode notes, so you can check all that out. And um, to open up the episode, I'm gonna play the uh, I'm gonna play the trailer from the Soul on Ice movie. So you'll hear the audio from that, obviously um, it's a bit better with the visuals, but I think, I think the audio alone will give you some sense of this thing. And then, uh, we'll dive into the conversation. I, uh, I had to ask Kwame what his, his top five tunes were because he likes to do that with the Soul on Eyes podcast. So we're going to play it out with some, some Biggie Smalls, which was one of his selections, spoiler alert. And, uh, my favorite rapper of all time so had to go with some Biggie to play it out send me an email dancablepresents at gmail.com find me on instagram at dancablepresents like I said all the links will be in the episode notes and here we go episode 229 Kwame Mason let's do the damn thing the
2: black men of the community could not play hockey with the white hockey teams in the area they were just segregated we've got some seasoned that are complaining about bringing you here. I had to injure everything. All the name calling,
1: the N-word, I heard it all.
0: He got death threats.
1: You're playing the
0: white man's game.
1: You know that you can compete with the best, but you're the wrong color.
0: For 12 years, we've been coming to hockey, and he's only the second one we've ever seen. Was there a discrimination issue, or was it simply the fact that he was too proud to go to the minor leagues? And you can find good arguments
2: on both sides. There was racial slurs coming from every corner. The only way
0: to get back at him is to win.
2: Race, like so many other things, serve as a distraction. And the minute you allow it to distract you, you'll never reach your destination. It doesn't matter what color you are. If you want to do something, you go and do it. And don't let anybody tell you you can't do that. Why wouldn't you play basketball? Or why wouldn't you play football? And I'm like, why can't I play hockey? What's wrong with it?
1: I didn't realize that at that time that I had broke barriers and opened doors. They tried to get rid of us, but they need us.
0: Our job is to keep building. You got guys like Wayne Simmons and Chris Stewart and PK. You
1: need me. double up when our numbers come through the TV. I'm put my soul on ice. Nice. He had a dream to be a hockey player. He wasn't going to let anybody
0: take that away from him. They
2: made it so much easier for us to to come up and and to play and to to not think about color as a a factor. And it's just based on our skill and not our color.
0: Hockey's given me so many opportunities and the only reason why I even have that opportunity is because of them. Nice. You owe it to yourself if you're playing a sport to know your history. Especially if you're black. How's it going, man? Yo, what up? What up? How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm great, man. Stoked to have you, man. I uh, yeah, appreciate it, man. This is dope. Yeah, I got I got keyed into what you're doing. I think I heard Akil Thomas on Spitting Chicklets, and they were talking about mm-hmm. the the Soul on Ice podcast launching. And uh, I had already known about the the documentary that you you made. A few years back so i was stoked to check yeah. that out and uh yeah man I'm, I'm just uh really admire what you're doing with your your platform and and the whole soul on ice podcast and and uh what you're trying to promote with that so i appreciate you taking the time to to chat it up with me
2: yeah bro you know just trying to uh just trying to do as much as I possibly can, you know, during COVID, like, you know, it just, I got to keep creative, you know, I can't go out there and um, shoot too many things. I was uh, supposed to be shooting another documentary when that all, you know, kind of shut everything down. And uh, Akil and Elijah, they had been asking me about doing a a podcast for like over a year now. And we just never really um, got things going. And then, You know, after Keel scored um, that game-winning goal at the uh, World Juniors, um, you know, we were like, we really need to take advantage of this. And then with COVID, everybody was just sitting around doing nothing. So we were like, yo, if we're going to do it, we might as well start it now so that when things get back to regular, you know, we've got kind of like a flow going instead of just trying to, um, you know, start from fresh and then, you know, have to deal with, everybody's world at the same time
0: for sure man it's definitely a great time to uh nail people down while they're just kind of hanging in their homes right now too as far as getting guests on um
2: yeah yeah exactly exactly it's uh it's been pretty good because you know we've gotten some you know pretty good NHL players on there and I think a lot of that has to do with you know (laughs) really guys aren't practicing or guys aren't you know got their days off and all that stuff so
0: yeah for sure man well i definitely want to dive deeper into uh soul on ice and what you're doing with that but i'd love to mm-hmm. just kind of uh maybe start with just your your hockey background and and how you got mm-hmm. exposed to the game yeah you know um you know i'm
2: from toronto born and raised toronto ontario canada and, uh, you know, that's just, you know, hockey is just what we do out here. You know, um, the neighborhood that I, I grew up in, there is, uh, these are the days of, like, on your street, no cars would come by. So it's just like you brought up the two hockey nets, and there were so many kids in that, that, that neighborhood, ranging from all different ages, but everybody kind of was cool with each other. You know, we just went out there after school, weekends, till the, uh, the lights on the streets came out or your parents, you know, yelled out through the window to come inside. They were like, we literally would have our game set up right, right in front of my house. So, you know, that was, that was big for us. And as well as, you know, obviously hockey night in Canada, you know, that was huge watching it with my father and, uh, you know, just, (laughs) try to watch hockey night in Canada and stay up and then watch Saturday night live was just a challenge as a kid. But, you know, that was, that's what we did, you know, um, on a weekly basis. And then, you know, of course in school, you got your floor hockey. So, you know, I know the one advantage is, a, you know, I don't know if it's just a Canadian thing. I, I, I know Minnesota is like this as well, but it's just, this is hockey. If you're from can if you live in Canada and you haven't been exposed to hockey, then you're in a you're under a rock.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. It's just uh it's so embedded into the-, the culture there. I grew up in uh in Southern California in the nineties when-, when the hockey explosion really took off there. Greske, Greske. Yeah, man. He he changed he changed California forever coming to the Kings. And uh that was that was such a A big deal to us and and creating a culture in that area but I think if you're if you're from maybe the west coast of the United States you just like really don't understand what the culture of hockey is like in Canada and how how much it runs through through that country
2: yeah it's uh I always laugh at people I'm just like if you're an immigrant man the first thing they give you is a hockey stick and when you're born, the first thing the doctors give you is a hockey stick. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's it's like we just churn them out, you know. And kids are playing from, you know, I was just on the ice um, the other day with my son. He's he's three. I've seen a kid three years old whipping around already. Like, we it's it's nuts what they do out here in Canada as far as introducing the game of hockey. I mean, it's 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 incredible, and. You know, whenever I hear stories of people saying, um, you know, there's no rinks in our area and we have to drive. Man, me growing up, walk down the street, there's your rink, our local rink. Like every area had a local rink. Like it's just, you know, you lived in this vicinity. The rink is right there and everybody had it in their walking distance. And if you had to go a little bit further out, okay, well, they had a a rink in there. Like it's just, there's a school, there's a library, there's a hockey rink. So that's how it, how it is. That was how it was for me growing up, you know, and if you had to jump on a bus to go to a hockey rink, it's cause you chose to, you know, not because you
0: had to. Yeah. The uh I don't know, man, there's just something about the game of hockey. I feel like anybody that, that has the opportunity to play or or even people that are just connected with people that play the game seem to uh they just often speak of, of, of hockey being a game changer, a a life changer for them. Uh, you know, the NHL coined it as the, the coolest game on earth in the nineties and it, it seems to uh it seems to just it's have pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what do you think is so addicting about about the game?
2: I mean, I think honestly from from a fan's perspective if you're watching the game live it's that's the, one of the most incredible things to see these guys on this two inch blade going up to like 46 kilometers or what is it 30 30 miles an hour on the ice and such fast speeds and you know once you jump on the ice there's no there's no out of bounds man you're on there and you're going hard for that you know that 30 40 seconds which people think 30, 40 seconds, I can go hard for 30, 40 seconds. I'm like, no, you can't. Trust me. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're not going to be able to
2: do it. You're not going to be able to do it if you don't have that type of training. And then the physicality, um, it's just its just a really cool game to watch. And, you know, especially the flow of it. And when you get to see really skilled players moving and, and just dangling with the puck, it's just, it's incredible to see. And then, from a participant's perspective, just the just skating alone, just whatever speed you can muster up, and that getting that wind against you, regardless of if you're inside an arena or you're 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 outside skating, there's something about that just being able to go, and um, that there's no other sport that gives you that type of satisfaction. Um, I truly believe it's. The, the the toughest it's it's one of the best sports just to watch and one of the best sports to play you know and i played a, i played a lot of sports i mean I my 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 loves like my my participation growing up was volleyball and 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 um and soccer i i played those more than i played hockey um and they were a, they were a lot of fun but i always wish that i put the same energy i did into those sports as i did in hockey I, I might have been I might have been out of here with a couple of you know teeth missing and stuff like that. But man, <laughs> like you know, whenever I watch that game, I'm just like, shoot, man, I wish I, you know, not to say I would have played in the NHL, but just being competitive as I am, I would have wished I just had a played at whatever higher level as far as I could have gotten. I I wish I did that. I never gave myself that opportunity to go as far as I possibly could. But
0: yeah, man, I for a reason. I played baseball and and some roller hockey up until I was about 12 when my parents finally (laughs) let me play ice. And there's there's just something about stepping onto the ice that that feeling is something I still get, even just playing beer league now, just every time. It's it's just such a special thing. And uh, it's one of the few sports where you have to learn another skill to even be able to play the game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
2: basketball. You just need to know how to walk, right. run, soccer, all those things. You know, it's it's very interesting. I I always tell people I'm like it's not what it's cracked up to be, and you know, and it takes a lot just to just to do it. But when you can do it, when you when you can skate, when you can when you can hockey stop, when you can stop <laughs> on ice, that one of the most satisfying things to do. You know, um, not everybody can slam dunk. You know, but everybody has the ability to just go as fast as they can on the ice and just do that s- snow shovel. Everybody has that opportunity. And I think that's one of the coolest satisfactions. And, um, you know, those first two steps when you jump on the ice, that's a lot of fun. And that feeling when you just got to pump, and then you're gone. It's incredible, man. I, I, I think it's even just as leisure. You know, just a leisure thing to do is to skate is, is, is a lot of fun. You know, I, 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 I um, in New York, you know, Central Park and all these different places, I, you know, I, I see so many people going out there and just having fun just skating, you know, and it's just something that I wish like the southern parts of, a lot of the southern parts of the United States just, you know, hey, it's really hot in Texas. Really hot in Alabama. How about get an ice rink and just have people go inside and cool down a little bit while having some fun? You know, that's to me that just that just makes sense. You know, you're not you're not forcing somebody to stay inside and put on their air conditioning. You're actually going out there and doing something physical and you're cool at the same time. And the great thing about it is you're not freezing cold. You're just cool. You know, and so. I think they should take it. They a lot of the southern states should be taking advantage of it more, but that football in the southern states, man. <laughs>
0: shoot. Yeah, man. The ice rink has definitely always been a, a great place to escape to in the summer, you know. Like you're yeah. saying when it's hot, there's there's nothing better than dipping into the ice rink. There's there's not a better yeah. air conditioner than that, but last yeah. year uh at the age of 34, I got to I got to skate on an outdoor rink for the first time. And oh wow, that's that, that, that yeah, that's funny to me.
2: I was doing that since I was
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, since I was like 6 or 7 years old. I mean, those things just don't really exist in in Southern California, but I I cruised out with some buddies to uh this place called Lakeshore in Colorado and uh mm-hmm. they have a big outdoor area where you can just skate and then they also have a rink that's just set up that you can just jump on and it was just the perfect day to do it. Nobody was out there and just it was just myself and two of my childhood friends just out there passing pucks around. And, and yeah, that, that, uh, that blew my mind.
2: LA has got uh, LA outside of the Staples center. They've got an outdoor rink that during the winter they'll have that open, you know, I don't know how they keep it going, but they, they have one. And, uh, you know, here in Toronto, a lot of like, again, like your neighborhoods, so some of your neighborhoods will have like your indoor rink and then, just, like, outside, they'll have their outdoor, and, um, you know, you'll find people, they, they create their back, b- backyard rinks. Um, you know, I know the Subans, they had a nice little um, backyard rink uh, when PK and Malcolm and Jordan were growing up. Um, you know, for me, again, like, in our local area, if we wanted to play, like, back in the days, what we used to do is this nighttime shinny hockey, and uh, the basketball courts, you know would freeze that place up. I know another area, the bat the baseball, the baseball diamonds, they'll freeze that up. Kids will go out there freeze, make sure it's you know smoothed out and the skate. So it's like it's something that you know we just do. But of course, obviously in California, it's not like you can really just do that all, all, you know off the whim, and, you know
0: Yeah, which I think gets in the way of some of the the accessibility mm-hmm. of it. You know, yeah. because it's it is such an expensive sport to play once you are in those indoor rinks and getting into those leagues. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, it's just again, it's just I mean, we just we're just blessed like that here in Canada. I mean, you know, do I want to live in <laughs> the cold? Sometimes, like no, <laughs> but you know, the hockey is it's good. I mean, and it, it's it's a lot of fun for the kids and you know, leisure and families. And like so and then. The sport alone is just a lot of fun. So, yeah,
0: is it uh safe to assume that you grew up a, a big Leafs fan? Then,
2: yeah, Um, initially, my my team was the Montreal Canadiens. You know, my grandfather we, we used to watch the games with. He's always called the Maple Leafs the Maple Loafs, <laughs> and uh, so I was a I was a huge Canadiens fan. Guy Lafleur was my guy. He was just like my favorite all time player um, growing up, and then. Um, once i got got much older you know i always rep i always rep my hometown like it's always toronto first and then uh, you know i spent some time in in edmonton and calgary and um you know got love for those teams you know calgary is really the team calgary is really the team that brought me really back into becoming a hockey nerd you know there was a time when i didn't really watch um I didn't really watch the game as much as, um, you know, I did when I was a kid. But when I went out to Calgary, I was working out there at this radio station. Um, I was just like, who's that guy on the ice? And it was Jerome McGill. And I was like, what, black guy? He's a <laughs> captain? I'm like, oh, and he's good?
0: Now a Hall, Hall of Famer.
2: Hall of Famer. I was just like, "I'm, I'm in. I just just you know I just followed him so much and I was just like oh this is this is beautiful so yeah you know um but yeah to answer your question Toronto through and through even though you know whatever they're 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 a tough team to love you know
0: that's what I <laughs> want to say I mean man as a as a Canadian hockey fan in general at this point you gotta just want any of those teams to win, I would assume. I mean, we're working uh, no, on like a 3rd no. year drought. I, ten, it's, it's 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 literally over
2: ten thousand days since a Canadian team has won a Stanley Cup. Nineteen ninety-three Montreal Canadiens. But to say that, um, to say that I, you know, I'm good with any team in Canada, nah. To be honest, I'm not. Um, you know, for me, it's all about. Um, you know, I I love Toronto. I love Montreal. I mean, I, I I like you know I like Montreal now, but like I'm not a Vancouver Canucks fan,
0: so. You I, know, I feel you on that one. <laughs> yeah, really not
2: interested in them. <laughs> not really interested in them
0: you know winning anything so to be honest with you, <laughs> i'm with uh, that i'm with that <laughs> you know I'm so, so how do you uh how'd you get involved with uh i know you you say you, you did some work in in radio in calgary
2: yeah yeah um i was a radio announcer for 14 years started in toronto and um you know i was uh I was really enamored in that world, you know, film and television was something I also wanted to get into, but I did radio for so many years. And then like, um, you know, in 2011 is when I kind of made the shift. I was just kind of getting tired of that world of of radio. You know, there was, there was, there was really nothing more I could do. And I was getting burnt out in it. It I just mentally, I just wasn't there. And so, um, I made the switch and just took a leap of faith and said, you know, Hey, I, you know, I have never made a film before, but, uh, I'm going to try and make a film. So I just, I just kind of, um, just dug my nails in the game and just decided, you know what, I'm just going to try this. And, uh, you know, whatever happens happens. And I'm just kind of happy that, um, it just kind of, it kind of turned out that way. So that was, that was my introduction to film was making so nice past, present and future. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm really honestly fortunate that the NHL has, um, embraced what I, what I, what I set out to do. And, um, you know, and I'm able. I've just been able to do a lot of cool things in the in the hockey space, and especially um, you know, like the podcast. That's you know, that's huge for me. And um, you know, being here, being able to sit and talk with guys like yourself, you know, who just you know, kind of like the stuff that I've been doing. Like, you know, it blows my mind all the time that I'm able to um, be able to to do things like. that.
0: When you jumped into uh the film world, did you know that that the soul on ice was what you wanted to to focus on as far as a topic for this this documentary that you made is that, that's something that spoke to you pretty early?
2: Yeah, um Okay, so you know, I always I always wanted to make a film and it, it, what was really interesting to me is like I knew I had to make sure that it was something that you know wasn't going to be too complicated. Something that I'm interested in. Something that I know that I can execute on my own. Um, at first, you know, one of the first things that I was dabbling with with was the history of you know black people, black black entertainers in in wrestling. I I wanted to do that and um I realized I'm like you know the WWE is not going to talk about race in the in that in that show. The Vince McMahon is never going to give the access and just be honest and truthful about that. Um who knows they might be in that place right now but back then I was like no that's not that's not going to happen. And um you know, when I was living in Edmonton, working uh, at a radio station there, uh, I, you know, I just I just I was hanging around George Rock and a lot of different hockey players at that time. And just being around George made me say, you know, how come not how come more black athletes aren't playing this game? And this game is so built for the black athlete. And I thought to myself, wait a second, how people aren't making documentaries about this, you know, this subject. And so I was just like, hey, this is an opportunity. And so the idea initially was called Young Black and in the NHL. And it was literally going to follow a year, uh, a year with PK and a year with um, Devontae Smith Pelly, just kind of follow their years that one year and, um, you know, talk about their life and then talk about other things. And then I realized that wasn't going to work. And, you know, I had the opportunity to interview Herb Carnegie when he was um, alive and he was 92 years old. And from when I finished that interview, I felt like, okay, I gotta, I gotta keep it in the space of the history. I gotta tell, I gotta tell, you know, where we came from to where we are now, because I felt like if I just approached it on currently what's going on, uh, a lot of the, 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 the stories of the guys from back in the days would get lost. So it kind of evolved that way and, you know, adding the colored hockey league and, you know, Willie O'Ree and, um, you know, Grant Fury and all those guys helped really spark where, you know, what the, the, the theme of the
0: film was going to be. Yeah. Were you, uh were you hip to like who Herb Carnegie was growing up as a, as a hockey no. fan? No,
2: not at all. Not at all. I didn't learn about Herb Carnegie until I was, I mean, I wasn't even living in Toronto when I heard about it. It's, it that's what's crazy about that. The whole thing, you know, I didn't know about him growing up. You know, no one spoke about him. Like, it's it's so incredible that I didn't even hear about his school. I didn't hear about his foundation, nothing. And I just started to learn about that. And when I was in Edmonton and I was doing research, I was just like blown away, blown away. And, um, you know, uh, and that was, again, one of the biggest reasons why I had to make this film because I thought to myself, here I am, huge hockey nerd, and I don't know about this guy, Herb Carnegie. I'm a huge hockey nerd. I don't know too much about Willie O'Ree. I don't know too much about the colored Hockey League of the Maritimes. So if that's what's going on in my head, I'm wondering how many other people feel that way, let alone those who have no clue about that history. So right. it was a, kind of a blessing in disguise.
0: Yeah, I mean, watching your film was the first time that, that I found out about Herb. And uh, that was a super eye-opening to, to see his experience and, and what he went through. Because, yeah, we often only hear about Willie O'Ree as being, you know, the person that breaks the NHL color barrier, which, which rightfully, really rightfully so, you know. and, and But uh, he didn't break the color barrier, to be honest with you.
2: The person that broke the color barrier was a guy by the name of Larry Kwong um chinese uh guy out of vancouver um and he played with uh the new york rangers he literally had one shift didn't touch the puck was on there for like 30 seconds and then he was off and then never to return but you know he's the first person of color to play in the nhl to actually have a shift in the nhl um you know, Willie O'Ree is the first person of color, the first black athlete to um, play in the National Hockey League.
0: Were, uh, were people pretty responsive when you started reaching out about this project? No, not at all. Because again, you know, you got to think, um, uh, you got to think
2: like, you know, I, I, I never made a film before. Um, it was a touchy subject. Up until that point, nobody really wanted to discuss it. You see how now? If it's fairly interesting now, the conversations about you know diversity and inclusion and I play black black players talking about their experience and what they got through is very free flowing. But five years, six years further than that, oh man, you'd have to really you'd have to get a guy who's really open to wanting to discuss that and. To begin, it was just more like, you know, it was very tough, but, um, you know, guys like Trevor Daly realized that this was important. You know, Um, guys like George The Rock, they they realized it was important. And once you saw those guys doing it and there was just a snowball and snowball more people. Oh, George is doing okay. Yeah, I'll do it. Oh you know, Trevor's doing it. Okay. I'll do it too. Oh, you got Herb Carnegie. Okay. <laughs> what you know, reason there. Okay, sure, sure. I'll sit and talk. So it just took, it just took a little bit of momentum. So it was really perfect. How, how I got started, you know?
0: Yeah. I I do really appreciate how you kind of in the film lay down the groundwork, you know, and present the history of everything. Cause I, I think that's obviously super important for people to connect to it on a deeper level and, just like with anything with the social movements now, you know, it's like important mm-hmm. that people understand the, the systemic racism and bullshit that's gone on from the beginning Yeah, to understand why we're at where we're at. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, there's just like so much I learned from some of the history sections Good. of the film. Like Good. I grew up playing goalie. So to find out that in the white leagues up until 1917, they didn't even allow yeah. the goaltender to go down on the ice to block shots. And that's something that they picked up from the black leagues and, yeah. and thought down upon up until 1917. Yeah, that, you know, the Colored Hockey League of the
2: Maritimes for your listeners um, was around 1895 to 1930. A lot of Americans would will know about the Negro Baseball League. There was also a Colored Hockey League. So the very first organized um, the very first organized sports for blacks was, was hockey. And in their league, they just, they did a lot of things that, you know, the, the NHL kind of adopted years later. And, you know, one of those things was the butterfly style of goaltending, you know, they were um, the players were the, the goalies in the colored ho- in the colored hockey league were allowed to as they would say, flip flop around on the ice and go down on their knees and stuff like that. then, um, you know, that's you know, obviously it was not the same as the butterfly style right now, but it was the um, you know, the start of, you know, what you saw. And, you know it, you know, most of the goal it, it, and for years they they wanted your goal to stand straight. They don't you know don't go on the ice. But see how that worked out. <laughs> and um, you know, and again like a lot of those um, a lot of those players in the Colored hockey league played baseball in the spring and the summer and they uh, I guess I think his name is Eddie Martin was a guy that he was like he just took the idea of hitting a baseball and swinging, swinging at the puck the same way as he swung at a, at the baseball And reports had it being called the baseball shot, like they would say it was called, like they, you know, he took a baseball shot because of the speed. But, you know, we all know what that to be is a slap shot right now. So there's a lot of innovations back then. And, you know, um, I always like to say to people, it's not about Black people saying, oh, we did this first, we did that first. It's just, you know, it's just about, hey, this is just a piece of the history that we have. You know, I, 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 I'm... (laughs) it's interesting to see now the conversations about our history in the game and people are more like a lot of of black people, a lot, you know, very proud of that history now. And I'm loving that because now they're taking ownership of their history in the game. Um, But there's still a lot of misinformation out there. You know, sometimes get some black friends be like, yeah, we started, we started hockey. I'm just like, no, we didn't. So calm down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> start the game um, you know that's the the indigenous and um, the British came together took Hurley and took what the indigenous were playing the Mi'kmaqs and then they started this game called hockey but it was around the same time that everybody got together and played it's just um, the game's got a great history man I think it's I think that's another that's a big reason why I had to make this film because it's a history that people don't really speak about and um, there's a,
0: a lot that people can learn yeah, and it sounds like you you learned quite a bit making the film yeah. about a lot of stuff that that you didn't even know. I imagine yeah. that that like really fueled the the drive to complete the process for you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm. I I think the biggest one was the colored hockey league. Like when I found out that there was a colored hockey league, that's the that's the one that made me be. I, I I'm like, okay, okay. I gotta stop messing around. This has got to be done because. How do I not? How do we not talk in Canada? Forget about the United States, but in Canada, how how does this country that claims to be so multicultural, so um, so united by different races, how do you n- not speak about the colored hockey league of the Maritimes? Hockey night in Canada never spoke about the colored hockey league of the Maritimes in the way that they should have to be to educate the, the fact that there is this history and. Well, you know, it, it, it bothered me at first, but then it was just like, it's just like, oh, okay, well, this is just an opportunity for me to do something that nobody else is doing. And if I do it the right way and I entertain them at the same time and put some, put some good faces to uh, the screen, uh, what you're seeing and who you're hearing it from, I think this is a way people could be entertained and educated at the same time and, you know, set my project apart from anything that's ever been done in the history of the game of hockey. So
0: for sure. Did you also start to develop just even a sense of responsibility to put this information out after you Mm. started getting keyed into it?
2: Um, I don't know about responsibility. I was more focused on, you know, where's my next meal going to come from? How am I going to pay for this? I have to finish this because I'm going broke. <laughs> I just I just felt like, as far as responsibility goes, I felt responsible to, to pump the brakes because when I was working on that project, you know, you started to see a lot more young Black athletes in predominant roles. And I started to see the narrative going towards them. And I thought, wait a second. The only reason why these guys are where they are right now is because of these guys over here and nobody is talking about them. We always talk about Gretzky and Orr and uh, Lemieux and Chelios and all the great white players of the past, but you never speak about the great black players of the past. Maybe they didn't win Stanley Cups. Maybe they didn't have huge accolades, but a lot of those guys were real, real gamers. Like Tony McKegney was a gamer. And how come you're not talking about him? How come you're not talking about Mike Marzen, who was the second Black athlete to play in the National Hockey League um, for, for for Washington back in 1974? How come you're not talking about um, you know George the Rock's contributions to the game? Like there's a you know there's a lot of things that weren't being spoken of, but you're you know you you're hearing about PK Subban. This was when PK Subban was becoming you know this huge pop sensation in the world of hockey. And I really did not want the introduction to Black athletes in the game of hockey just be PK. And nothing against PK. I mean, that was a great, that's a great introduction, but you can't just go PK moving forward. Right? You have to go, okay, PK is my introduction. I love this guy, but oh, what? There's a history behind this? Okay, what's going on? All right, now I can appreciate PK even more now because I know the history of the black athlete in the game of hockey. I mean, a lot of people, and, and I barely touched on it in my film, but a lot of people don't know that, you know, there was two women inducted into the hockey hall of fame at the first time and one of them was a black woman, you know, and that's, that's incredible. So, you know, these are the things that need to be expressed because I feel like, You know, especially with minorities, it's so important to talk about our history so that our children understand there's something they can strive for. They got to be able to see themselves in these positions. You know, I think a lot of other cultures probably take that for granted because that's just their norm. But for a person of color, you know, to know that there was a guy that looked like me that played in the National Hockey League and he did it with one eye, like that's incredible, you know? So,
0: absolutely, man. yeah. So, I
2: think, I think, I think, as far as responsibility goes, I think that was that's the biggest thing for me. Responsible enough that I have to be able to contribute to this, and you know, everybody else has to play their part. But that was the one way that I knew that I can contribute to the, the game I love.
0: Yeah, man, I love, and I love uh, how you, how it's spun off into the podcast and the direction that that's taken, and just getting to talk to players on a week to week basis and and just get yeah. their feelings and perspective of uh you know moving things forward for equality in the game and and in society.
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 about that and it's just you know I want to also have some fun and just talk hockey stuff, but you know again in the podcast world if you're talking hockey, like how many people have that ability to talk about George Floyd, like how many guys were doing that? How many guys are going to be able to talk about, you know, diversity and inclusion or what it it means to be called the N-word on the ice or have all these things. So it's just, the biggest thing for me as a creative is to normalize black faces and voices in the game of hockey. That's all I want to do. I want that it's not a shock to know that there is a podcast about hockey that's hosted by three black guys that should just be like, Oh yeah. Okay. And there's another one over there and there's another one over there. You know what I mean? Just like, just got to become normal. And I, and I, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure that we're in spaces so that when we come into these spaces, people aren't, and they may initially be like, Oh wow, that's interesting. But after a while, it's just like, Oh no, that's just normal.
0: Right. You know? Yeah, is like the the parts in the film when when Jaden Lindo is uh he's talking about you know people people think he's an athlete and just going through the the different lists of sports and hockey is at the bottom of it and just you know normalizing yeah, something mean, like I, that where where they're not surprised that a a black man is a hockey player or a black person is a hockey player or a person of color for that matter.
2: And listen, and that's not to say, I'm not saying that directing it to white people or any other person because black people, we do it to our, like, we'll, we'll find out that there's a black person playing hockey. We'll be like, what? You play hockey? You play what? Trust me. You talk, talk to Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly used to go and work out where some of the, 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 um, the uh, Dallas Cowboys would work out. When they find out that he was playing hockey, they were like, hockey? Oh, I thought maybe you were, like, college athlete or you're playing basketball or something, huh? and they find out that he's on their hockey team, it's it's something new. So I'm just trying to make people's eyes normal. Like we just gotta be normal. And I think the game of hockey has just been catered to one group for so many years when there's so many other groups that participate in the game, but you just never hear about it. So I'm just, I'm just trying to do my part as far as um, black culture goes and just kind of bring black culture into the game of hockey. Trying to take nothing away from hockey. I'm not trying to take nobody's job. I'm not trying to destroy what you grew up in. So I'm just saying, hey, can we ride? Can, can I ride beside you as well?
0: Yeah, for sure. It. I think it's just adding more culture to the game. Like it. it's it's only gonna it's only gonna make it better. And yeah. um how did you link up with Akil, Akil Thomas and Elijah Roberts and to for the podcast? And then also, how important are their younger voices um, yeah. to to what you're doing and, and your knowledge.
2: So when I first started doing um, when I started making my film I, uh, God, so this is five years so these guys were like kids when I first met them. They were little babies, brink rats playing, you know what I mean? You know, with a lot of potential. Um, I knew Akil's and I was introduced to uh, Elijah's father, and you know, um, in my trailer and in the film, you'll see them, but they're kids, so you might not recognize them, but they're kids in it. So that's how I know them from there. And I, you know, I'm just like the big homie. So you know, through their years growing up, I'd go and watch them play and be there and talk to them, and encourage them, and you know, follow their follow their career. I mean, um, I remember being in L.A. Showing my film, sitting beside Luke Robotai. and we were watching the film. And towards the end, there's a there's a shot of Akil, um, uh shooting pucks in his in his um, backyard, um, just shooting just shooting pucks with his little brother. And uh, I said to I said to um, Luke Robotai I said, "See that kid right there, man? Trust me, you better keep your eye on that kid." Lo and behold, LA drafts him. <laughs> And I told, I told Luke, I said, you guys owe me some money. Yeah, somebody owe me some money. Yeah, man,
0: you you scouted oh. that out for him. I'm saying somebody owe me some money. <laughs> so
2: I, I I known them guys from since they were little little guys. And, um, you know, you just see them around. And then, like I said, you know, there was just this one time that Akil and they both called. Well, Akil hit me up first, text me, and then we got on the phone. And they were just like, oh, we want to do this podcast. Because they knew I did radio and stuff like that. they said, so like, well, whatever you guys need, I'll help you out. And they're like, no, no, no. We want you to do it with us. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And I always, you know, can be being a ex radio guy. I always wanted to get back in the space, but I just, you know, as far as a podcast, I didn't know what I wanted to do and how to do it. And then when they presented it to me, I was like, oh, okay, this is a good in. And so we just started it. And then with my relationship with the league, they're just like, hey, bring that under our banner. Let's, you know, put this under the NHL banner. And I was like, okay, cool makes it a lot easier for us to get um, guests, I think. Um, mind you, we, you know, our relationship just kind of get the guests on our own, but um, it just, you know, it gives a little icing on the cake. And then um, I think their voices are very important because that's that demographic that we're trying to hit. And our demographics is about, our demographics is about 18 to 34. And, you know, these are these kids are our future in the game be it on or off the ice um, you know they they are the ones that we're trying to encourage to take this game leave this game in, in better hands and I think for the audience I mean they're still hockey guys so sometimes we've got to fight with you know the conversation and like tell them I'm to so stop this is not an interview. The guy's not, are not, you're not being interviewed between periods. Come on, guys, relax. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's when, when you get that natural conversation going, it's so much fun and I think it's great for a younger audience to hear guys that they can relate to uh, that are in the game and they're just, hey, man, like, yo, we're playing video games, we're listening to the hip-hop and, you know, we're out here playing this game of hockey that we love and we can break that down. So, it's very important that their voice is on there because I'm the old guy. And I can only just tell you from the old man's perspective, but they give it to you from, you know, right right at
0: ground zero. For sure, man. I was just uh, listening to the most recent episode with uh, Quentin Byfield. Byfield, and, yeah. Uh, it was fun listening to him and Akil kind of trash each other a bit, you know, hoping <laughs> hoping that they're going to wear Kings jerseys in, in the same lineup one day, uh, you know? Hey, listen,
2: the, 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 I tell them guys off, Mike, I'm like, yo, you two do not understand what you have in your hands right now. You can change, you can literally change the game of hockey if you two just buckle down and do what you got to do on the ice. If it was me, I'd have been like, hey, Keel, hey, Quentin, we need to start working out together. We need to start, we need to be, as we say in the West Indies, we need to be bati and bench. We got, to be, we got to be the Sedin twins out there. We've got to be linked because if we're linked, imagine if they put us, let's say they start us off in the third line and we start to rock it there and we get older, we get stronger, we get better. We could be a first line together. One of them center, one of them right wing and just have somebody there just watching. The, like that could be the most insane thing. It's just imagine what that would do for young black kids looking at this game. Like that's going to blow the roof off of it. Um, and they've got a little swag to themselves as well, you know, and Akil's gotten to be a lot more comfortable in his skin. You know, Quentin's a clown. He's hilarious already, <laughs> so he's going to be a personality regardless. Put those two together, and if they're putting up points, shoot. L.A.'s got them something. I mean, Magic Johnson, Snoop Dogg, these guys are all tweeting at these kids. Like, L.A.'s got something, so I'm really looking forward to that.
0: How exciting was that for you to see uh, Quentin go second overall, highest ever drafted black player? I called it, man. We called it on the podcast, B. We called that. We were like, yo, let's go. Let's
2: go. This is going to be history-making. I mean, it should have happened with Seth Jones, but it's all good. You know, I'm I'm just really proud that, you know, you got that. And, um, I mean, it's got nothing to do with the color. That's just... That's just a side note. That's just a, something for the history books, which is really cool. That's something for him to that he can hold on to. You know, Seth and, and and Evander, they got to hold on to the number four. We got a number two. We'll get a number one one day. But these are just, those are fun things. I just, to me, even though, and I told him this, I was like, yo, you're number two, but that don't mean nothing. Yakupov was number one. Where's Yakupov right, right now? <laughs> it don't mean nada. You got to go and do the work. So... um. I almost wish he wasn't, you know, it wasn't such a big thing because now the pressure is on him. But uh, I mean, that's on him as an individual. Some individuals love pressure and they 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 take pressure to that next level. So I'm I was jacked to see him make history for the game. It's it's really great in this day and age. Um, but don't quite twist twisted. I know there's like there's I I saw online people are like oh. You know, it's only because of his color. I'm just like, okay, you wait, you wait to see. You've obviously never seen him play
0: in the OHL. Yeah, man. I'm excited to to see him in a King's jersey. They 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 definitely need some uh some new fire in that squad. So I think he's a I, kid. Yeah. He's not even twenty, he's a kid. Hey, you see the size of him? He's he he's a big dude. I heard, man, I heard listen, uh, wait till
2: he's twenty five. Yeah. Wait wait till he's 23, 24, 25 and he's got his big boy pants on and he's figured it out.
0: Absolutely.
2: I'm jealous of LA with with that pick. And even Akil, like I don't know if you've seen any recent pictures. If you go on Akil's Instagram, that kid is he's filling out. And his hockey sense is off the charts. So, LA, you know, I I like LA. I like their run, you know, being a team that was number 16 to go and win the Stanley cup. I mean, I love that. Um, you know, uh, so I, I'm mad at LA. I, I I can root for LA. I don't got no problem with that. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to what they got. And I think it's just great for the, the city of LA. I'm so jealous of LA. Right now.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of always been my hometown team. So those are the mm-hmm. games I grew up going to. My first hockey game Dig was it. A, was a Kings game. So, yeah, I always uh, I'm always rooting for them and
2: I love uh, going to Kings games.
0: I think they're Kings pretty games, underrated, man. Tell people,
2: tell your audience how diverse your audience is at a Staples Center game. I
0: I'll, I'll tell you what. Not only is it is it diverse, I think that um it's very underrated for how loud that building gets.
2: It's fun. You can't mess with Vegas though. I I haven't been to a game there yet. <laughs> this is not even about liking the team or not but the of all the arenas i've only missed two arenas the only i've only there's only been two arenas that i haven't been to but the loudest the craziest is vegas they got it hands their presentation is
0: insane but
2: you are right la's got a pretty pretty nice little barn chicago's got a great barn as well
0: yeah man that's an iconic building for sure
2: you know but um You know, going to uh, a Kings game is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be in that atmosphere. And great people, great fans. You don't, you know, Chicago's got a great energy, but you can't go into Chicago wearing a Maple Leaf shirt. (laughs) No. You got to, you, you got, when you go to a Chicago game, you better just, if you're not, if you're going to watch your home team in there, just go a regular shirt. Don't go in there. Repping your team's jersey <laughs> I'll
0: don't tell you that. Yeah, I'll tell you. I, I would say for the most part, you're correct about going to a Kings game in a different sweater, unless it is playoff time. I went to a King's Canucks game. Yeah, you don't want to do that. And you don't want you don't want to wear that Canucks jersey. You don't want that smoke. to don't that,
2: <laughs> don't do that. Especially if you yeah, yeah, you don't you don't like, you know, you 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 don't want that smoke. Forget about <laughs> that. So Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I I tell Akil and I tell, uh, I told Quentin this, I was like, yo, you guys are going to a great fan base. You're going to have a lot of fun there. Um, and the potential that they can have, the potential they can have growing the game is what's exciting. But, you know, it's like Jordan said, if you, if you're not putting up them points every night, it don't matter. So it's 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 a it's this weird balance. You know, I I want them to focus on the game first and foremost, focus on your game, but don't forget what you can do for the game at the same time. So I think if they I think if they put their head in the sand and went hardcore, if they went hard body karate for the first year or two, first two years at least, establish themselves as a solid two, solid three liner. Then after that, you know, you could start really, really um, focusing on the community, and that, and I think for kill, that's why this podcast is really good for him because it just gets his, gets gets his personality out there, and he gets to have some fun.
0: Absolutely. Uh, to close out, I want to talk to you about a couple of legends. One of them that was on the ice, and one that's more in the broadcast game. Uh, the first yeah. being Willie O'Ree.
2: Yeah. Recently yeah.
0: celebrated his 85th birthday, seems as sharp as ever. Um, what has it been like for you to develop a friendship with Willie?
2: Ah, uh, man, you know it's it's, it's cool, man. Like you, you know from the first time we really started hitting the road till now, it's 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 it's, it's a lot of fun because you know Willie is definitely one of the guys. He can outlast you in the nighttime. I'm telling you, there's been times when we've been out. I'm like, Willie, I'm going to my room. He's like, come on, just one more, one more. <laughs> nah, um, Willie, I'm going to my room. You go and have some fun going out. But um, you know, it, it's just it's just great to hear the stories. Like, you know, when we go, we'll be on the road and we, you know, we're all having lunch or something like that. And you'd be like, hey, Willie, tell me that story again about how you lost your front tooth. Oh, and uh, the stories, them old school stories are great to hear. Um And you know it's like, uh, you know, you're walking around with a, uh, you know, what you'd consider a living legend, a a guy that's, uh, you know, he's so beloved. No matter where you go, you know, it's it's you got you got to you got to almost step back and just let you know. You gotta let Willie do his thing. You know, you just gotta go in there and make sure he's all right. But, you know, he's so beloved that you know, just to hear Willie when they when they. About his name, it's it's so cool, and to be in arenas, and you know we're sitting in the press box or something, or, or you know a little suite or something, and then he's got to go out on the ice, and just to hear the crowd roar, like it's 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 interesting. It's very interesting for me to to hear that because no one there has ever seen him play, right. they just know about his story, and to get that sort of love in every arena we've been in it's very interesting because you know that's just that that hockey love that love for that individual and, and and so it's it's really it's really interesting to see him be around
0: yeah it was great to see them uh finally put him in the hall last yeah. year um yeah. that was that was super great Well deserved. um well deserved at the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned that a big, a big entry point for you to your love of hockey was Hockey Night in Canada. And mm-hmm. uh, what's, it, what's it been like to forge a relationship with the, the legendary Ron McClain and not only have a relationship with him, but it seems like he really values your thoughts and, and uh, your feedback on, on the state of hockey.
2: Ron's assault, um, he, you know, he saved a guy's life. Did you ever hear that story? I don't think I have heard that story. He saved a guy's life that was going to be murdered. Like this guy was being tied up and he was thrown into the lake and Ron went in there and saved him. It's crazy. Um, But being around him, talking to him, just having these conversations are always, always really, really cool. And, it's, and again, it's one of those interesting things for me, you know, growing up watching that and to be at home on a Saturday and at like noon or 11 o'clock, Ron's calling. You look at my phone, it's Ron McClain. He's like, hey, listen, Like, tonight on the show, I want to do this. What do you think? I was like, what do, you, what do I think? What do you think? You're right. <laughs> Ron McClain. But I, 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 all that to be said is that he's the kind of guy that is so willing to learn, he's the kind of guy that's so open to other people. He doesn't act like he knows it all. He literally wants to learn from any and everybody, and he wants to be better. And he was put in such a tough situation with the whole Don Cherry thing. I remember talking to him on the phone, and and just you know, we were just talking about that, and he's he's like Kwame, they just don't know. They don't understand what I've had to deal with and how many times I've had to cover, you know, me and Don are still friends. He's like, you know, and it's just Don has his way of thinking. What do you want me to do? Like, there's only so many times. And I thought it was so unfair that people thought that Ron should just jeopardize his life just for Don Cherry's life. And for Don Cherry saying something that is not something you want to say in this day and age. And, and, you know, and I got love for Don Cherry. I got mad love for Don Cherry. Don Cherry's in my film. Do I agree with everything he says? Nah, not really. But as a person, I can, you know, I can handle him. But you know, if you meet Don Cherry, like people just know Don Cherry for that bashfulness. Yeah. You be, be you be, have a conversation with him and see how much you like that. For sure. See how much you like that type of conversation or that type of person, that type of and maybe that might be your thing. But you know, I I I I got a lot of love for Ron, and I think he is um you know, I don't know how people look at him, but I think he's underestimated for his knowledge. Like, that's a smart man. That's a smart man.
0: Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I always love listening to his his commentary and anything he's got to say about the game. Um, yeah. I want to flip the script on you, man, to end this mm-hmm. thing. You you yeah, often—I uh, I talk to a lot of musicians on this podcast— and go, 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 I know, go, go. I know something that you like to do at the end of your your Soul on Ice podcast is ask the players, kind of what their <sighs> top five songs are to get geeked up before the game. So, dream yeah. scenario, Game Seven, mm-hmm. Stanley Cup Final, you're going out am on I the playing? ice. You're playing. I'm playing. You're playing. This is a dream scenario. What what line am I? What what, what liner am I? Uh, my my first or a
2: four? What am I at?
0: Where do you want to be, man? I think I, I, I think I, I
2: think I would. I think I would have been a third liner grinder,
0: you know, oh, that, not that real important role player.
2: Yeah. I'd be that role player. So,
0: okay. So, so, so top, my top five, five? Man. top five.
2: Okay. Give me a second. Cause like, I, again, I, you know, I could tell you this and, uh, you're, you're, um, okay. So first, you know, one of them, then no particular order. Um, um, West Side Gun of the Griselda crew. Hell yeah.
0: Uh, love, love that crew.
2: Jose Conseco. All right. <laughs> um, definitely Jose Conseco. Um, 500, o- $500 ounces from uh, West Side Gun as well. Who shot you from Biggie Smalls? Yeah, buddy. Man, you. If I play who shot, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I'm like, you're gonna get that work if I get out on the ice with you. Um, the wrath of Kane, Big Daddy Kane, and then last one, I will go with. I'll you know what? I'll go with. I'll go with. I'm on a mission, Special Ed. Okay, old school. Little school. Those are my top five. That's and it. I, you don't want that smoke after I listen to that. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. I do not want don't that go, smoke. You that don't smoke want me. it. Don't don't put don't put your head down. When you're in the corners, you better look and understand that I'm coming because you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. <laughs> and I'm gonna take that puck from you. I'm gonna put it in the front of the net, and it's gonna go top cheese to whoever I pass that to. <laughs>
0: Love it, man. Love it. I love doing, uh, I love doing a kill told, uh, Quentin that, that he was going to dummy him during practice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 We'll see how that goes. Well, we'll see how that
0: goes, man. I can't, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. This has been a blast. I feel like I could talk hockey with you for, for hours. And I, like I said, I, I have so much, uh, admiration for what you're doing. You're an inspiring dude and I can't encourage thank people you. enough to check out the, uh, the Soul on Ice podcast as well as the film and and anything else that you got you got in the canon you know
2: yeah i appreciate you bro and you know for your audience um what's happening and um if you want to hear or see more Soul on Ice the podcast Soul on Ice the movie Instagram Twitter old man Facebook the whole nine yards bro and uh you know let's do this again man we 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 we're all in this together we're all trying to uh promote the game of hockey so you know, let's keep it let's keep it going
0: for sure man i'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with with you in the in the podcast and yeah i'd love to have you back anytime i end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we could get the uh the kwame mason it's a program we can properly end this thing it's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's Kwame Mason. <laughs> That's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side. You dig?
1: As we As proceed, we proceed bro, oh. to give, you, to what give you, need, you what you need, you need. not, not five Get live, motherfuckers. motherfuckers. Get get live motherfuckers. motherfuckers. As we As proceed we we see, see, to give you, you what you need, what you need. not, not five Now turn the mics up. Turn that mic up. Yeah, the beat is knocking. Leave that mic up, though. Turn that shit the fuck up. Uh, What? Turn it louder. Yeah. Uh. Gotcha. Separate the weak from the oppsa. Leap hard to creek them Brooklyn streets. It's on nigga. Fuck all that bickering beef. I can hear sweat trickling down your cheek. Your heartbeat sound like Sasquatch's feet. Thundering, shaking the concrete Then the shit stopped when I fall the plot Neighbors call the cops that they heard mad shots oh, Saw me in the drop, three and a quarter Slaughter, electrical tape around the door Old school, new school, need to learn though I burn baby burn like disco inferno Burn slow like blunts with yayo Peel more skins than Idaho potato Niggas know, the lyrical molesting is taking place Fucking with BIG, it ain't safe. Uh, I make your skin chafe. Rashes on the masses, bumps and bruises, blunts and land cruisers Big Papa smash fools, bash fools. Niggas mad because I know the cash rules. Everything around me, two Glock 9s. Any motherfucker whispering about mines. And i Brooklyn's finest. You rewind this, bad boys behind this. Behind seen the light, excite all the freaks Stack mad chips, spread love with my peeps Niggas wanna creep, got to watch my back Think the cognac and endo sack make me slack I switch is all that, Cocksucker, G's up Won't force move, get swiss cheese up Click, detect, respect, I demand it Slip and break the eleventh commandment Thou shall not fuck with North Sea popper Feel a thousand deaths when I drop ya I feel uh, for you feel, like Chaka Khan, I'm the Don Pussy when I want Rolex on the arm You'll die slow but calm Recognize my face uh, so there won't be no mistake So you know where to tell Jake Lame nigga, brave nigga Turn front page nigga Puff daddy flips daily I smoke the blunts, he sips on the bailies On the rocks, choke blocks of christenings I'm a cop in the fire positioning What? Come here Come I, 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 here, I open, your like that, open your fucking mouth. Did I tell you don't fuck with me? Huh? Did I tell you not to As fuck with we we? me? Huh? Oh, look at you now. Huh? Can't talk with a gun in your mouth, huh? Uh-huh. Bitch-ass uh-huh. Ass nigga. What? Who shot you?
2: This it's a program